I'm going to share a little bit um, just around, before I get into the word, and I guess uh, for the benefit of um, a few new faces and uh, because of the season that we're in, um, just to give you a bit of an idea of uh, some of the things that we get to be a part of as a church. So when, uh, when Mike talks about giving as the church, when we uh, talk about the things that we get to be involved in, you may not all be kind of the Facebook kind and you may not all get uh, or uh, see all the things that get shared on there. So um, I'll give you a little bit of insight into some of the things that are the reason why we're next week going to be talking about this new thing. I don't think it's necessarily a new thing that we're doing. I think it's definitely a new thing that God is doing and it's putting a name and a um, and a, maybe an identity that people can uh, get a hold of, people can understand um, really what we believe God is doing here. Um, and so uh, it's not necessarily that, uh, that we're really changing. I think it's actually just naming what God is doing here. And, uh, and so um, that's a little bit about next week and something that um, got shared this week. Um, this week we had an opportunity to partner with uh, a local organisation like we often do. See, I don't believe that we are the sole solution to all the problems in the world. I believe that, uh, you know, that God has given us the ability to be part of his solution for the world, his uh, bigger picture of a better way. Um, but I don't think that we're the be-all and end-all. And so uh, one of the things that I think um, God calls us to do is to be part of that bigger picture and to partner with other organisations and, and to, uh, to actually even be part of equipping and providing uh, opportunities for other people to do what God is calling them to do. Um, we often talk about our core value of commission, what it is that God has placed on each and every person's heart, that we as the church, the organisation of the church, is uh, actually called, uh, if we look at what Ephesians talks about, the you know the uh, fivefold ministry are called to be part of uh, the equipping of the saints for the work of the ministry. And so we're able to do that throughout the week in various ways, whether it's partnering with Alter One um, or sometimes organisations in our community that we're able to help to facilitate the work that they do. And uh, this week we were contacted uh, by uh, a mental health worker in, uh, in the community uh, who has a, um, a series of clients. He uh, case managers uh, a whole lot of um, really like complex uh, kind of needs uh, group of people and and so he looks to the community to support the work that he does and I believe that's a, a picture really of what the church should be involved in um, bringing together the collective resources of what each individual, every group, every, uh, every vision that like everyone has that God's put on their hearts, though, bringing those things together are actually what can bring some hope and healing and restoration into the lives of people who some community organisations have, you know, tried and struggled to find answers for. And so in this situation, he contacted us and uh, after we did something as simple as put together some food for him to supply to 
his clients. So not for us to give as the church, but uh, we were able to pull together some of the stuff that we usually do here throughout the week on a Thursday. Um, and Faye, in her usual brilliance, um, has you know ha- did a whole lot of um, gathered together a whole lot of stuff and uh, and was able to uh, match kind of what we were able to do in the church and bring it together and uh, and so. We just gave them these five boxes of food, um, fresh fruit and veg that comes through partnering with another organisation, Oz Harvest and uh, Food Rescue. Um, And this is the feedback he left. Working in government community mental health, we see so many of our clients doing it tough and sometimes have to survive on $28 a fortnight after all of their expenses of living have been paid. Today... I was able to collect five full food packs to deliver to my consumers and see the tears, joy, or amazement and happiness appear in their lives. This could not be done without the help of the church. That's what being part of the church looks like in our community. When we don't have to put our name on it or, or we don't even have to have a whole lot of control over what's happening, but just to see what is there to be done and to equip people to do the work that they're doing, uh, we can actually do some good. Even, you know, our little group of people uh, can make a difference. That's my heart for the community. That's why I do the work I do within uh, the church networks. That's the heart behind a single act of compassion. It's about saying, what do you have in your hand? We spoke about it a few weeks ago. Uh, What is it that you have in your hand that you can hand over to God that can be part of the bigger picture? So uh, we were able to help in... Uh, this one situation in our community. Um, oh, yeah, we'll grab it when we get the stools and stuff. Oh, really? But I can hear it. Anyway, okay. Hi. <laughs> um, am I just that loud that I can hear my own echo? That's really terrible. All right. Um, so so we were able to put that together and, um, and we were able to be part of what God's doing through a single act of compassion. Uh, and, and I believe that God actually has called us like I, I, I love the verse that says God uses the foolish things to confound the wise I love speaking in a group of people in, uh, in the context that I get to with my community engagement role and where people's first instinct usually is well we don't have the resources to do that kind of thing we don't have enough people to do that kind of thing and I just say well come hang out at my church for a week There's no reason why we can't be part of what God is doing. Uh, this uh, group of people matters just as much as any. Uh, and what, um, what I, I love about what God is able to do is that it demonstrates uh, his ways, not how good we are. When we can come together, partner with other groups, other churches, it's about the kingdom. It's not about uh, building a name for ourselves or, or anything like that. Um, and I, I have a few, um, a few questions you know, around that kind of idea of, of how do we 
how do we build a church, create an identity, which we're talking about doing, and, and next week we're talking, you know, about, um, you know, putting a name to what it is that God is doing here. How do we do all of that? How do we have a public voice, a platform? How do we pursue influence and leadership in our community, but still remain in that place of being uh, the foolish things that God can, you know, use or, or uh, retaining that simple understanding that we're just part of God's picture. It's not actually about us. And I think one of the groups that has to negotiate that, um, uh, that can um, often be asked those sort of questions uh, and I think has probably worked uh, through some of the answers to that question is our worship team who do such an amazing job here every week. Uh, who, you know, we have gone, you know, we've some, it's kind of like I mentioned last week that our kids ministry can be anything from two to 22 kids on any given week. Um, I feel like over the course of the last two years, our, our music team has been anything from two people to 22 people who like, you know, any range of like, you know, professional musicians and stuff like that. And, and so negotiating all the dynamics of that and, and putting it all together in a way that always seeks to just encourage people to enter into the presence of God, to seek him, not about what they can do or what they, you know, but rather about uh, what the team can do to encourage the church to open their hearts, to encourage people who walk in maybe for the first time to explore what it is to be in the presence of God or to sing and praise God. Uh, and so we asked this week, as we've been doing this kind of series of inviting a few people to come and share with us, we asked the music team, uh, a couple of uh, the longer-term members of the music team, to uh, come and answer a few questions for us so we get to get to know them a little bit, but also um, so, uh, yeah, so we can explore some of those things. So would you uh, welcome Caleb and Eve uh, up to share with us today? Um, oh, there's some stools there if you grab them on the way. We were like slightly more prepared this week. Thanks, Caleb. So this is Eve, who's uh, kind of stepped into the church and landed on the stage about, it feels like that, and uh, has been in, an in, incredible blessing to the church. And, uh, and Caleb, who's been uh, around since, uh, since he was about 15, and... Um, and, and basically on the stage ever since, but uh, usually uh, one of the quieter members of the congregation. So uh, if you've probably never heard uh, much from Caleb, then don't be surprised uh, um, that, you know, he might be a man of few words, but I believe that he's got um, the character and has demonstrated over the, uh, the last, like, you know, five, six years that he's been with us, his heart for worship. So, um, so I believe he's got uh, something to share with us this morning as well. So, um, so if you maybe could just uh, open by like a one or two sentence summary about who you are and how you landed here. Maybe, um, yeah, we'll go to the why a little bit further down the track. Uh, I'm Eve. Uh, I've been a Christian since I was a teenager. Uh, I'm married to Scotty, who's also part of the church, and two girls, nine and 11, who are in the kids' ministry, although they're in the surf club at the moment. Um, what drew me to Cornerstone was just that real genuine heart for the Lord and that's really felt in the worship particularly and, and just that transparency of wanting to serve the community. Great. Hello. Um, 
Uh, my name's Caleb, and I've been a Christian my whole life. I've got a Christian family. Um, I've been through a few churches. Uh, my first church was a Baptist church, actually. Um, and, yeah, and then moved over to Perth and um, started coming here. I've been here for about six years. I've been at youth a little bit longer. I started coming to youth before I came to church, and then they needed a bassist here, so I started playing bass. And, yeah, I've just been playing on the band ever since, really. So. Um, maybe you can answer Caleb like, or uh, what is it that uh, what is it that you like or what makes you keep turning up and turning up on eight, at eight o'clock in the morning serving on youth ministry yeah. all of those things. Yeah. Um, well, there's lots of reasons. Like um, our band has sort of changed in size a lot of you know over the time, but um, it's always real great people part of the band. Um, that's sort of like a big a big part of it. Um, sort of a nice family group. Um, and yeah, just obviously just enjoy it. Um, good, good sort of motivation to keep practicing as well. Um, yeah, that's why I do it. And um, yeah, I don't know if you wanna. Yeah, for me, it's. Um, I mean, I've been part of worship teams, gosh, a couple of decades. Um, it's just seeing God touch people's lives. You know, it's that's. I believe that's the gift He's given me and the anointing that. Um, you know, he gives. And uh, when I first came to Perth, uh, I started attending Whitby Church of Christ and, you know, I was sitting in the pews for many months and I really heard God say, use it or lose it. And I was like, okay. So that was me going, and I knew exactly what it was meaning. He was saying, use your gifts for my glory. Don't be sitting there just being part of the crowd, like actually step up and use them and I will bless you because of that. And he has. And, uh, you know, and just using that, and being able to feel God's anointing and allowing him to use you, it's just, it's awesome. Um, so I'll start with you then. Uh, uh, what would your vision, your desire for a, a space for worship uh, in the church as we move forward be? Somewhere safe for people to come and just experience God where they're at. I think that looks differently for everyone. And, you know, people have different needs at different times. And sometimes we're... We come in and we just want to praise and glorify and just absolutely sing his praises because of the blessings because we're going through a good time and there's other times where it's challenging and it's hard and we want to be real about that and acknowledge that in people and be able to meet them where they're at both in the worship and the praise but also allowing God to touch people's hearts in that place where people can come and be vulnerable and know that God is in this place and that we just live to glorify him. Yeah, that's good. Caleb, um, did I? <laughs> same, same as. Is there, uh, you know, is there something particular you'd like to see developed or grow in the um, yeah. area of worship? Um, yeah, I guess so. I, like you said, that just a, a safe space for everyone to worship mm -hmm. in their own unique way mm -hmm. um, is something that would be really cool. And um, yeah, that could really mean anything, like any sort of different weird instrument or sort of yeah. dance. Bring the banjo. <laughs> no, I don't know. Um, yeah, so I think yeah, it's a safe space for everyone to worship how they how they want to. So yeah, yeah cool. that's great. Um, and I guess uh, in line with what I was uh, talking about before, um, what would be one of those challenges uh, that you've found along the way in in managing that? Like, okay, how do we create like community, freedom and, you know, a space for people while managing that whole kind of platform practice, kind of, you know, all the uh, logistics of it all. Yeah. Who was first? Yeah. Um, yeah. 
I think we've had challenges um, just with the everyone's own understanding of what worship looks like, and it can sort of, you know, not line up with members at the same time, which is something that you just have to like, you have to be humble in yourself to realize put put your own sort of idea of what the worship should yeah. sound like or look like um, down just for the the congregation or you know the worship leader or whatever. So. Um, yeah, that's, I mean, it's sometimes challenging, I guess. I mean, get used to it. Um, yeah. Humility, yeah. 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 I think um, David is a great example of just expressing praise to the Lord. And I think it's, it's challenging to have that balance of how to express, mm. but also to not criticise others mm. for expressing that, you know, mm -hmm. and to um, allow that expression to be open, and, but allowing that space that praise and that worship to happen you know sometimes silence can be uncomfortable but sometimes that's when god can do his greatest work yeah so actually being okay mm. about a pause yeah or space yeah and not feeling that we need to feel that all the time and i think in those moments where we can trust what god's doing mm. what his holy spirit is doing in the place and trusting what he's saying to those yeah. who are leading in that space to go okay god's doing something here Let's just allow him to do what he yeah. needs to do. And that can be a really, um, a really hard one to negotiate depending on the background that you've come from or what sort of church. So, uh, like, I came into church as a, uh, a like, you know, older teenager and have only ever experienced, like, the charismatic, the, you know, full penty kind of, you know, um, everyone doing something all the time kind of services where you don't leave silence because it's awkward and and all of that sort of thing and transitions are managed and you know all of all of that was my background and so experiencing those more um, authentic kind of spaces where you know it doesn't always go to plan or or maybe um, even silence is planned I like I think um, one of the most beautiful services I've been to in a long time was uh, the prayer vigil um, at the Uniting Church in the city um, Nicole was involved in for, uh, it was a prayer vigil for uh, Aboriginal deaths in custody and uh, and like there, it was just such a like unique kind of like gathering of people but in the space of people sharing some really really hard stories but still like handing that over to God and saying what can God do with this space uh, and then just sitting with that and allowing God to move in the hearts and minds of people in that space was just really incredible um, and something so kind of it took me a little while though at first just to get past the silent awkward and then to really embrace what God was doing and I wonder what we miss because of not being able to step into a place of being uncomfortable but I think something um, we're recognizing it is that when we're when 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 God requires movement there has to be an unsettling it's like, you ever had, like, um, those of you who own animals, you know, like, they sit down and they're, they're comfortable. And if you actually want them to move to another place, you've really got to unsettle them and kind of, like, get them, like, um, it's, it's almost like God does that to us. Like, you've got to be put out of your comfort zone to an extent for then God to move you into what he's doing. And so, um, yeah, sometimes that looks like different spaces. Um, how can we... How can we add, or, or how can we build into what, um, you know, helping people find that 
balance of humility when it's on in like platform and team ministry and uh, in being able to be open to God moving them and changing and all of that sort of thing. How do we, uh, in the worship time, make space for helping people to grow in that? Yeah. Um, not exactly sure how to answer that, but I think from a worship team perspective, I would encourage people, if God is calling you and you have a gift of music, mm. please get involved. Mm. You know, it's not... I think the other challenge that we have as musicians, being such a upfront ministry, is, you know, you there's that perception that you have to be all that. You know, mm. you have to be, oh, I've got to sing and able to play and everything. No, what I love about this church is you actually come as you are and mm. as imperfect and as mm. unprofessional as we are, we mm. actually accept that about each other and we're all here because our hearts are right, not because we're the greatest or musicians. trying to or, be right. <laughs> yeah, we're trying to be right and I think that's a challenge for all of us whether yeah. we're up on stage or sitting in the, you know, not to criticise and judge just because we're up on stage or even to be critical of ourselves but to actually come with a heart to go I'm entering this space to worship my Lord and Saviour Jesus Christ like that ultimately is why we come to worship and we do that together because there is power in that you know God is able to then move and we can encourage each other and love each other as we are glorifying God so I don't know if that really I think you question, I, I, well I think you totally add to that because the encouragement of each other and being open to each other's differences and you know even shortfalls and all of that sort of thing is really where that's at do you have anything you want to add to that yeah, yeah. um yeah relationships is a big part getting mm. to know the yeah. band members and sort of yeah, over time, obviously, it just happens naturally um, and you just get to know, sort of, you, you can expect what people want. And, um, yeah, I think the it's tough, like, over the years, we've had different sort of levels of how many band members we have, have had and we've had full bands, we've had multiple drummers and no drummers and all that sort of stuff. So, like, the, yeah, um, the, the main thing is just, like, coming in looking for a relationship I guess with the people and then um, yeah it just comes naturally from there I think being able to play together in a sort of yeah, yeah safe humble space so that's great all right anything you guys want to add to that no yeah all right do we want to thank these guys for sharing their heart thanks guys You can turn to Hebrews 10 if you're the paper Bible type. And uh, at the end of the service, um, I'd like to pray for all those involved in the creative team that are here. Um, so when we share communion, we'll um, then invite them to stand and uh, anyone who wants to pray with me, we'll just pray for them. Uh, it's not always an easy gig I mean, not just in a time requirement, but preparation uh, and uh, to put what is your creative, uh, you know, your heart, the thing that is what you're most passionate about, just like uh, on the line every week to serve others is actually something that can be quite a high energy output. Uh, if you've ever been part of, uh, you know, developing something or creating something um, 
it's almost as if like when you send your child to school, you know, it's like that emotional taxing kind of, um, there's that element to the creative ministry as well as all of the requirements. And so we need to always encourage these guys in prayer and to uh, support them in uh, whatever ways we can. Um, and if you happen to know any drummers, you can always invite them to church because that's also good too. <laughs> that would also support them. Uh, cool. So I'm going to be sharing from, uh, from chapter 10 uh, and starting in, I think, verse 15. Let me just get my notes because that will be much better than guessing. When I forgot what app that I was doing my notes on. From verse 11, there we go. Just to put the um, background to this, uh, I spoke probably a couple of weeks ago now, and I was saying that um, we very rarely preach out of Hebrews because it's one of those books that's got some incredible... Uh, concepts in it, and bar, bar probably, you know, the chapter 11, you know, um, faith kind of thing. Other than that, I don't really hear that many sermons on it, and uh, when you get into studying it, you kind of begin to understand why. Um, but anyway, I'm going to skip a few concepts, and um, if you have questions, I'm always open to them later, but for the sake of uh, staying on track, I'll skip over to um, the things that we're going to share this morning. Um, so he says, and every priest, uh, every priest stands day after day at his service, offering again and again the same sacrifices that can never take away sins. But when Christ is offered for all time a single sacrifice of sins, he sat down at the right hand of God and since then has been waiting until his enemies would be made his footstool for his feet. Homework, find all the times that that talks, uh, that talks about that concept in... Um, in the Psalms, and you'll start to understand what this writer is actually talking about uh, in those. That's homework for you. For a single offering, he had uh, perfected all, for all time, those who were sanctified. The Holy Spirit also testifies to us for after saying, this is the covenant I will make with them after those days, says the Lord. I will put my law in their hearts and write them on their minds. He also adds, I will remember their sins and lawless deeds no, where, uh, no more. Where there is forgiveness of these, there is no longer any offering for sin. Therefore, my friends, since we have confidence to enter the sanctuary by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he has opened for us through the curtain that is through his flesh, uh, and since we have a great priest over the house of God, again, you really need to read the Psalms, try it like 101, but like there's so many, literally just put it into um, like your Bible app, the, any of these phrases, and you'll see uh, what the writer is referring to. They have in their memory, in, that's literally written on their hearts and minds are those Psalms that each of these phrases are referring back to. Um, 
Let us approach with a true heart in full assurance of faith with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast to the confession of our hope without wavering for he who has promised is faithful and let us consider how to provoke one another to love and good deeds, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some. This is where what Mike was sharing this morning, I was like, this is going to get awkward. Thanks, Mike. Uh, let us consider how to provoke one another to love and good deeds, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but engaging one another, uh, and all the more as you see the day approaching. So here we have got to this point um, where it's talking about the gathering of those who are followers of Jesus and talks about them provoking one another to love and good deeds. We start to get a picture of what it is that we're actually doing here when we get together on a Sunday. One of the things that we're called when we gather is to provoke one another to love and good deeds. That's why we share the stories about what God is doing. That's why we talk about uh, what has been happening throughout the week in uh, various areas of ministry and why we get people to share testimonies of what's, uh, what God's been doing in their life. It's why we gather in connect groups and share with each other about what God is doing because we can provoke one another to love and good deeds. We can encourage each other. It's one of the things that gathering is supposed to do. Not to condemn one another, not to just get what we need to get and sometimes we can get caught in the consumerism trap with church and make sure that we want to get what we need out of church but are we actually doing what God has wanted us to do if we're not provoking one another to love and good deeds not neglecting to meet together So I read all of that so that I can point to a few things uh, through this text. And interestingly, last week we spoke about doubt and having faith that would endure. And here we have a verse that talks about having a faith that has endurance. Last week we talked about the fact that we're not condemned. Actually, it literally says that God doesn't judge us for having doubts. It says that God doesn't judge those who seek wisdom in the first chapter of James. But that we are to desire to have a faith that endures. One of the things we want to create space for is actually what drove me to want to step into the role leading this church when I was youth pastor, probably coming up five years ago now, maybe four, I get confused. It's been a long few years. And I'd had this youth ministry from two kids that we used to take to McDonald's. Literally, we'd plan games thinking there'd be 10 kids. And I guess I kind of picked up much the same as I as when I stepped into this role, a church that had been uh, strong for a time but then had started to have issues and things that were unravelling. We were kind of experiencing the same in our youth ministry where we had had um, you know, a 
fairly strong church which meant of like young families that had all kind of grown up into youth ministry so there was quite a big group of teenagers for a while but as they started to hit 14 or 15 things got a little bit shaky and they started not wanting to come anymore and started falling kind of off the off the you know and and when I moved to this church when uh, Duncan and I got married I sort of came at the tail end of that like less and less kids were coming each week. The youth team actually ended up having this kind of big fallout at uh, the end of that season. I guess the, you know, stress and all of that sort of thing can can become tiring and a few of the youth got caught up, uh, youth leaders got caught up in some stuff and, and it ended up just being Duncan and I left at the end of that season with a few kids that would sometimes turn up, sometimes not. Sometimes we'd come and take these two kids who would always be here every week so we could always guarantee these two kids would be there and sometimes just go to McDonald's and buy them self-serve ice creams uh, and hang out and talk. And we went from that to, you know, over a hundred some weeks. The church was still small but, um, but we had a lot of like kids coming from the high school ministry programs, from the community, from Alter One. We had some, I mean, I could tell you stories all day. And it was an incredible season in our ministry. Uh, and, um, but then as some of the kids that I'd seen grow up, from the time they were like 10 or 11, they'd been coming to youth. You know, we'd you know, sometimes even bring in the kids when they were a little bit younger because they, you know, probably just needed to be, you know, engaged. And so we'd had some of these kids since they were really young and they started to hit that 15, 16-year-old age. They started to ask questions and not have answers for them or have questions put to them by friends or they left their, you know, school environment, going to new environments, moving around and all of those things that start to stretch like uh, that, Uh, verse that we talked about last week in James that spoke of faith being put on trial. Their faith begins to be put on trial. And as a pastor who had learnt that the only way to really see change and see kids engaged was to genuinely love them and give, you know, your, like, uh, and, and actually build relationships and, and to have that real um, environment of family, it broke my heart every time I saw a kid walk down that path. And so I started to ask what it would look like to have an enduring faith. Why, why was it that I was willing as a teenager their age to turn up every Sunday, not only every Sunday, but every anything that was on? Why was I still and all of my peer group still turning up? And, uh, and these kids, they were, they were so, it seemed so easily shaken. Why was there no enduring faith? I, I wanted to know what it was, what would it take for kids to encounter because I'd watched these kids. I'd watched them see, literally see people healed in front of them. Like, um, like from full, like full-blown um, drug addiction 
finding freedom, complete disengagement from like society and school to go all the way through to having ministry degrees. Like they'd watched this kind of process played out. We'd seen a girl who'd not spoken. She had selective mutism. She literally signed worship for a whole year that she was with us. She loved to worship and would sign her worship. Had never spoken in front of people since she was like a really small child. Turn around, get on a chair, and introduce herself to everybody and tell them how she loved Jesus. These kids watched that happen. Some of the kids who are not kids anymore watched that happen. Watched a hundred kids in their school and their peer group and their community come to faith. They worshipped on their face, encountering a God in tears. In, you know, there was, there was nothing that you could, you couldn't, like I'd always been told, you know, or maybe people who walk away didn't really encounter God. Maybe people who walk away, you know, maybe they, they just hadn't had God speak to them in a real way. Maybe they hadn't been open to God yet. You know, all of those sort of things that tried to rationalize. And I knew that wasn't true. Because I watched it. I knew these kids. And I watched it play out anyway. So what does it take for faith that would endure? It was probably the trigger point for my Beginning my studies, I'd, I probably hadn't read a book, to be honest, since I was... Actually, I don't even know if I'd ever... Since, like, primary school, I, uh, I, did, I was, like, academic kid in school and got put in all the special programs, but then got messed up in, like, you know, the whole um, drug kind of scene and, and totally rejected my identity of being that intellectual kid. And so I didn't pick up another book probably until I was about you know, in my early 20s. And so, um, so I started to read and I started to explore theology and I wanted to know why, why God could meet someone in such a real way and they would still walk away or, or be in, in that position of being like feeling hopeless and, you know, turning to drugs and all of those sort of things. Faith that endures. There is something to be said about having a faith that endures because I don't believe that that is something, that's not a Christian rite of passage. It's not something that I will accept that, I think that doubt, faith being put in, on trial, I think that exploring and asking questions, that is something that everyone has to encounter, something everyone has to negotiate. But does everyone have to reject their entire way of being, their whole community, I don't think if we were to do church the way that we should, if we were to be a community that creates space for people to explore their faith, if we were to be a community that loved people no matter where they were at, 
if we could make space and equip people to help those in their communities, those in their connect groups, those in their ministries, those who are friends with them to negotiate those challenges. No, we're not going to answer all the questions, but maybe we would see young people, older people, new Christians, new disciples, find a faith that endures. I found people that helped make space for those questions in my life. I found safe spaces to negotiate those things. I think sometimes I look back and where I've landed and even the organisations and the educational organisations that I've landed in haven't always been that way, but somehow along the way I landed in the right class with the right lecturers, with the right supervisors, with, you know, at the right time encountering people who made space for that in me. And I look at it as maybe providence, I don't know, but like there is, there is something that I have had the privilege to know that I believe God is calling me to make space for. And I know there's lots of people who gather here who've had the same sort of thing. Or maybe they wish they had the same sort of thing. And that's why they're here. And so one of the things that we talk about doing is creating that space. Worship and the things that we do on a Sunday morning, that is part of that picture. Because as the, whole, as the Holy Spirit ministers to us, we can actually begin to open up. There's things that God can do that people can't. There's things the Holy Spirit can do that a book's not going to do. We still need those things. Sometimes the Holy Spirit uses those things. But we can begin to open that here. We can talk about our faith in ways that don't reject people who don't agree with us. We can even begin to respond to people in ways that recognise that we not, might not be right. One of the things that uh, struck me when I was looking up those verses in the Psalms about the Messiah that is prophetically spoken about, that's referenced in this verse, at the right hand of God, who's, who makes enemies his footstool, that's not, by the way, talking about people, that's talking about the powers and principalities that actually oppress people, that God would make those his footstool Those verses actually talk about and connect us to the picture of uh, being able to sometimes break something down to be able to build it back up again. Part of making space and creating opportunities for enduring faith in our own lives and in the lives of others is to be able to recognise that God may have to pull something apart that you once kind of thought you had all together to make space to build what he actually wants to build.
when Jesus spoke to the disciples as they're walking out of the temple and they admire the strength and the size of the temple. He said, look at the size of these stones. Look at the size of these walls. And he says that not one of these will be left on top of another. And that whole conversation takes place in uh, the context of Jesus explaining to the disciples what the future is going to look like as he builds his people to be the temple. So he's speaking to a building as in a rebuilding or a constructing or a, a, um, you know, developing of something that he's doing and they look to what already exists and say, look at how strong this is. As he's teaching them about the kingdom and what's to come, they look to what already exists and want to find how that fits. And we know that sometimes those things don't fit. Did that mean that the temple was a bad thing? No, it just wasn't part of the new thing. Did that mean that always what God calls us to leave behind was bad? No, sometimes it's just for a season. Sometimes it is because it's incomplete. Sometimes we build things that aren't actually what God wanted us to build, but we build them because they're safe and comfortable or they get built for us because of the society that we're in. We need to deconstruct those things to make space for what God is doing. Sometimes God is calling you to something new and it feels like not one stone is being left on another. Maybe that's just me. Maybe that's just what I'm walking in at the moment, but I feel like that's something that's been true of my life in general. It's not just our church's season right now, but I've seen that happen in the course of my life. And maybe you can identify with that. Not, it feels sometimes like not one stone is left on another, but does that mean it's over? Not according to what Jesus says, not according to what Scripture tells us and shows us. It just shows us that God is making space for something new and that which is being pulled down is not part of that new picture. That takes humility, takes confidence in who God is. It creates a faith that endures. If we could allow God to pull down in us what's not of him but hold on to our faith, then when questions come that we don't know how to answer or when life doesn't look like what we think it should look like, we can still stand knowing that God is who he says he is. We can still stand knowing that we might not even know who God is, but he's called us to seek him. We can still stand. Can I ask the team to come and join me um, and those that will serve communion? The beginning of this verse talks about the old way 
that they had found to try and make things right with God. The sacrifices of the old, uh, the old covenant, the law. And how Jesus comes to show them that not that way, but his way, would be how they would enter into what God was doing. This isn't one that people usually read in reference to communion, but he's definitely referencing communion. Where he talks about his covenant, the blood that was shed that makes way, and his flesh that was torn. We talk about the blood that was shed for us and his body that was broken for us. It says, by God's will that we have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus once for all. That word God's will is actually an ambiguous, or not ambiguous, it's kind of, it's not, there's another word for the will of God, but this is a different Greek word that actually encompasses more than his will, but his way, his call, his purposes, the things that we do according to his will. It's a bit bigger than just his will. So it's according to what Jesus has done, his life, his way, that we're sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once and for all. Do you know when you walk up the front here to receive communion, you're called to do that in remembrance of what he's done. And as you come forward to receive at what in some traditional churches you'll call the altar, it's because we are coming forward as the body of Christ offering ourselves again. We come forward, a body that was once broken, that by the grace of God, the blood that was shed, because it's only through his grace and mercy that we can even imagine doing it, we come forward, those broken pieces put back together. The body of Christ. And in doing that, we encounter him here. It is in this covenant that I make with them, I will put my laws on their hearts and write them on their minds. His instructions written on our hearts and minds. I was talking with someone earlier this week about how the things that we do as a weekly practice begin to write these things on our minds. It's why we say things sometimes the same each week and sometimes people don't necessarily like 
the idea of doing things according to tradition or doing the same thing each week. But I'd much rather what we do each week be something that intentionally turns our eyes on Jesus and our hearts toward each other than those things that we can so easily pick up and do each week. Because it's funny how our, our natural way kind of just picks up habits and rhythms. One thing we can do is to be intentional about what those things are. And so we choose to say these things each week. We choose to come and share communion each week. We, we choose to commission each week, share a, a benediction together that states what we've come here for and why we go. Because we're going to build habits. They might as well be ones that write his instructions on our hearts and minds. So we come each week choosing to make space for what God is doing, to embrace every person in the midst of what God is doing in each of their lives, knowing that it's there that we will encounter God in a real way. So church, this is the table, not of the church, but of the Lord. It is made ready for those who love God and those who want to love God more. So come, you who have much faith and you who have a little, you who have been here often and you who have just come for the first time, you who have tried to follow Jesus, you who have failed in following Jesus and you who have just decided to follow Jesus today, come, let nothing keep you from love's feast. Let nothing empty this table of its power. Leave judgment behind and receive mercy. Leave indifference behind and recognize God's family. Leave now, if necessary, go and be a forgiver and then run back because it is the Lord who invites us. It is God's will that those who desire Christ by the power of the Holy Spirit would encounter him here. So come. If you'd all like to stand with me. As Pastor Tara is saying, we, we have certain traditions that we have adopted. Um, and one of those is to uh, speak a benediction over our lives as we go. And um, it's a good thing. Uh, we speak life over one another. We pray a blessing. We pray God's pre presence and ability in our lives and through our lives. Amen. In this benediction, we proclaim we believe God is calling us to be. And um, we'll have it up there. Awesome. Thank you, James. So please join with me as we, as we uh, speak together this, this benediction that is, is, is from uh, largely Isaiah 61. Church, we have come as we are, but by His grace we are sent out not the same. For in this place the Spirit that anointed Christ has poured on, on us. He has exchanged a crown of beauty for our ashes, the oil of joy for our sorrow, a garment of praise for our spirit of despair. He has spoken over us a new name, Oaks of Integrity. We will grow into a canopy of His beauty, 
to bless and rebuild the city in his unfailing, non-violent love. So go, broadcast good news for the poor, bind up the brokenhearted, prophesy freedom for captives, let the blind see, set free the oppressed, live jubilee and forgive. Blessing our enemies, because Christ has shut the book on vengeance. Go now in his liberating grace that pardons and empowers sinners like us to participate in God's kingdom of mercy. And all of God's people said, Amen. God bless you as you go. 